Good evening and welcome to a very late night edition of Dog Sports Live. Uh, I am Graham Coffey. You might know me as at Dog Out West on Twitter and on SB Nation's Dog Sports. This is my co-host, Mr. Josh Hancher. Say hello, Josh. Good evening. And we are here tonight to talk a little bit about Georgia's returning and incoming uh, wide receivers and tight ends as we continue our spring previews of each position group for the dogs. Um, there is a lot to get into in terms of returning receiving production for Georgia. And uh, Josh, I know you've got some some pretty interesting stats to kind of lead us off on. Um, you want to take us away? Yeah, um, I know that a we all know uh, most of us know that the dogs are returning something like 98 percent of uh, production receiving production which is kind of rare you know we've got a quarterback in place but jt daniels we've got a go-to wide receiver and george pickens who's a you know potential all sec first teamer if not all american first teamer jermaine burton um came on strong kiaris jackson lots of guys but if we uh if i show some stats here um, you can see that um, Georgia is one of uh, only Mississippi State and Georgia are the only uh, schools returning three uh, receivers with 50 targets uh, from last year, 50 plus targets. Um, and uh, if we go down, so you can see some of the guys coming back. You can see a lot of the in, Miss, in Mississippi State's can be replacing a quarterback. Um, you know, Alabama has got all kinds of, of, of turnover. They're still going to be great on offense, um, and you'll see no Florida players on here. So this is <laughs> – That was my favorite part. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, the SEC's always got good players. You know, uh, you know, Ole Miss threw it um, all, over the, uh, all over the yard last year, but Elijah Moore is gone. But, you know, Mingo is going to be solid. But, you know, again, they, they're – you know, we don't play them, but – um, and we, we go into another group of stats here. Um, these are the yardage and the drops. This is interesting, too. I mean, there's many targets. A lot of these guys are getting a lot of targets, and some of them are, are dropping the ball. But Georgia Pickens and Kyrus Jackson only had one drop each. Burton uh, was a freshman last year. He had three drops, which still it's not bad. I mean, you can see guys are dropping six and seven balls, um, you know, so it's not uncommon. So we, we have – good receivers coming back. We have tons of yards coming back. You know, basically I think it's Trey McKitty's the only one that's not coming back from any substantial receiving yards. The third yeah. group of stats here, and I'll, I'll tweet these stats out so you can look at them too um, down the road um, uh, after the show or whatever. But these um, again are, this is the most exciting one. This is the EPA, which I know is EPA is sort of a mystery stat, but if you just think of it as um, the analytics number behind explosiveness. Now, the Todd Monken and the Georgia offense and individual teams often think of explosiveness a little differently than the metrics guys, but this is the metrics version. So you can see that George Pickens is the number one ride receiver coming back in explosiveness. This is just how valuable their overall plays are. Every time um, this is every play that Pickens touched the ball, successful plays, unsuccessful plays, his average time he touches the ball, it's a 0.924 um, EPA, which is outstanding. And those are that's again that's his unsuccessful plays and his successful plays. So you can see he's got actually he's more explosive than Mechie, um, who's the leading re, re, uh, re, uh, leading returning receiver for Alabama. So I mean he's and, we know he's good. Uh, let's jump in. What, what are you gonna say? No, I mean I I think I'm looking at the same chart you are, but Curious uh, is also more explosive than than Mechie with his EPA as well. Is that correct? 
You're looking at the third down, uh, the third down. Message. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, no, it's okay. It. No, it's okay. Yeah. Kiaris is still at six point six three three with three touchdowns. And this is what uh, Graham was alluding to was this is exciting. This is uh passing downs, which are usually uh, un- plays after unsuccessful plays where you're off schedule behind the chains or on third downs. So again, George Pickens leads the SEC in returning receivers and that, and that's, he's a 0.174 explosiveness rating. If you want to call it that with a total EPA of all those plays where he touches the ball on passing downs and third downs of 35.676 EPA on those plays. Um, You can see he may not be the highest on this list. No, he is the highest on no, no, John Mechie. Uh, had 42 total EPA on those plays. But you can see Kiaris and George are leading the SEC in returning uh, production on passing downs and third downs. So not only are we returning a lot of talent, it's quality talent, it's explosive talent, it's dependable talent when you need to uh, make up from a bad play or convert a third down. This is what we're returning on offense. And it's a lot, a lot of reasons to be excited on what we can expect out of our offense next year yeah 100 percent. and i mean I, I think you know we have mentioned the stat on here obviously and you already brought it up but uh georgia believe i believe i, I think i said a couple times on here incorrectly that they return 98 percent. i believe it's actually like 95.6 percent of the receiving production but uh it's by far the highest that we've returned at any point in time in the college football playoff era um and probably any point in time, you know, that, that any of us would, would remember really. But I think the, the reason that that's crucial, not just because the offense is going to be very good, but there is a a really high correlation. If you go back year by year between the teams that end up in the college football playoff, the teams that win the national championship and how much receiving production they return. Uh, And, you know, Alabama this past year, was a good example of it. LSU in 2019 was a phenomenal example of it. And I think the, that coupled with JT Daniels performance, the last four games of the season, I, I saw a stat the other day, there was only three quarterbacks in the country with uh, a QBR over 89 for the last four games of the season. And that was Daniels, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. So it's like the, there's a lot of pieces coming back there that like I, I hate to say it, but, you know, Georgia should make a legitimate run at a, a national title. And that's not us being homers. I feel like that is, you know, what the the numbers and the statistics bear out. Would you agree? Oh, totally agree. I mean, I mean, this is what um, we expected from Kirby Smart. We expect him to take us to the next level. He's recruited at the next level. Um, he's played in all, uh, several big games, you know, I mean, the only 2016, we didn't, we weren't playing substantial games, but we went into the, into the Gator Bowl uh, versus Florida with a chance to basically, you know, compete for a national championship, even after losing Alabama. So there's, everything is there for the dogs to be right there. Now, you know, injuries happen and, you know, things happen, uh, mistakes happens, you know, but th- there's no reason to think that if Georgia doesn't, live up to their potential that they're not right there in the mix come the sec championship game 100 well let's get into uh these guys a little bit deeper um and you know not just picking Spurton and jackson but but also the guys that we'll see uh in the rotation alongside of them um we're going to start out with the the x receivers um 
wide receiver one there and probably wide receiver one on the team is obviously George Pickens. Uh, JT Daniels made it a point to get him the ball when he came into the offense. And truthfully, he's basically uncoverable in, in man-to-man. And, you know, these plays like this, I think we saw early in the Mississippi State game how much of a difference it makes in the offense when Pickens gets involved. And it it makes it easier for everyone else to get theirs. And I mean, there he does a really nice job of, you know, we talk about a lot, every route in the mocking offense is an option route and he finds some space and he sits down and Daniels puts a nice ball on him. Um, but, you know, I think the, the thing with Pickens that I get frustrated with uh, is I think there's a lot of pundits that look at Pickens. I know there was some comments made by Buck Ballou on Atlanta Sports Talk Radio recently of like, you can't rely on Pickens being there all season. Um, George Pickens has been suspended for one half in his career, and that was after the the fight with Swilling in the Georgia-Georgia Tech game his freshman year. But like the kid – Which, by the be, way, is, is – you know – was celebrated by so many Georgia fans. So you can't sit there and say one side of your mouth, yeah. celebrate and dig all the, all the, the, you know, against your bitter rival in state and then criticize a kid, you know, when, you know, he does a boneheaded mistake. So, so you're going to celebrate one and criticize the other. He's a kid playing with emotion. Look, I mean, I'll be the first to tell you that, you know, I, I, I share his concerns about him making mistake and not being available for us, but plays with emotion he's a he's an incredible talent so I, I get tired of people saying you know criticizing one and a half and then you know you know celebrating them on the other so all right that was my yeah. that was my no thank box. you yeah no that's well put and I mean I think honestly a lot of it is uh a little bit of like I don't know uh kind of that stuff that you hear like old white dudes say of like oh you know he's he celebrates too much or like Dancing after yeah, the play or whatever. Squirt, like, you can't squirt a guy going out of bounds with a water bottle. You can't that do you it. cannot do. No. Yeah. And if you, and you, can't, and that, you can't grab that's... a guy by the face mask and slam him into the into the wall the, the game before the SEC championship. I mean, no. those are mistakes. And and I, I don't I celebrate neither of them. I'm not sure that we're we win the SEC championship with him, but he's gotta be there on the field to give us a chance. But I loved I you know, I love the kid. I mean, he came, he's a game, uh, you know, signing day flip. He's delivered every time he's been yeah. asked to. I mean, I just, I mean, he needs to be on the field for us. He, he was down for uh, two games this year. Otherwise his stats would have been even that much better, but uh, it, it, you know, I love the guy. Yeah. And I mean, he's a game breaker and he's a bulldog and in the story is that there's a lot of shit that I'm sure anyone watching this show uh, did at that age that they wouldn't want to be judged for or, you know, have me, people make assumptions about their future upon. And so we're pulling for Pickens. We love Pickens. His catch radius is absurd. His athleticism is absurd. Uh, Georgia football is truthfully more fun when he is on the field. And I think that, you know, we saw a few times at the end of last season where it was like, you could tell like he was like thinking about doing something that might get him in trouble on the field and he like stopped. So I think that kind of maturity and growth is exciting to see. And I expect him to have a massive season next year. Did you want to talk any more about those plays? I just kind of rocketed through them. I know that you, you No, you're good. Yeah. Of, okay, cool. And then our next, oh. our, our next guy is Burton, right? Who came on, who. No, no, no. We got, uh, 
I got Rosemary next. Rosemary, okay, is okay. Yeah, there we go. I got the Florida game queued up. I think you have it. Yeah. So yeah, Rosemary Jack Saint. Um, he was starting to come on and was inserted into the starting lineup for this game. Uh, this was his first touchdown catch of his career. He also broke his leg really gruesomely. So maybe uh, that's my bad for putting that clip in there. Um, but he's got a lot of speed. He's got a lot of talent. All reports are that he's he healing well. I mean, a broken leg is a serious injury, but fortunately it wasn't any ligament damage. So I would expect him to be back and, you know, really to contribute next year. And seems like a guy that the coaches are excited about. And uh, there's a lot of potential there. And, you know, I mean, again, top 50 overall recruit. Uh, this this class that was just freshman this year with Burton, Rosemey, and Arian Smith, I think we're going to see a, a lot of production from those guys over the course of the next three to four years. But after uh, Rosemey at that X receiver position is Justin Robinson, and he was a name that we heard a lot during the early weeks of uh, fall camp last year, but we really never saw too much of him on the field. Um, still, coaches liked what he did, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of make that leap and, you know, do you think there's a, I mean, uh, as many targets and as many guys have already played, do you expect a, a guy that uh, didn't play, hasn't heard of to get a chance or, you know, I mean, there's just so many, so I many know. mouths to feed, as they say. I mean, it's, uh, you know, do you really expect him to be a contributor um, or is this just a guy that, you know, if it, that we expect to maybe play in spot, spot, spots where guys are hurt or something like that? I mean, I think in a Monken offense where you're often going to go like four wide with wide receivers, um, that, you know, that rotation needs to be at least eight deep. And I mean, with all these guys that have transferred out, you know, I mean, hell, Matt Landers got a shitload of targets last year, you know, and he's gone now. Um, and I mean, you know, Tongue and some of these other guys that were in that receiving core that are older than Robinson have left. So that would kind of lead me to believe that maybe he has moved ahead of them, had moved ahead of them in the pecking order. So I think we'll see him on the field at some point. Um, is he going to be option one or option two even? No, but I think, you know, we'll probably see him in some, some quarters of some, some games where we have big leads. And there also just might be some games where guys are getting nicked up and going down and, um, He's, he's in there to, to take snaps. I mean, none of these receivers will play every down. Yeah. Well, and he's been in the system and, you know, he, he did, he did well in the, in the limited preseason. So yeah, hopefully, it, you know, it's just, a, we're, we're blessed with so many great players that Kirby's got in there. So the fact that, totally. that a guy can be under the radar is pretty remarkable. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, after next year, you could see Pickens gone and Jackson gone. Um, and, you know, there's there's going to be – that would leave a, a spot for him because, I mean, he did not burn any eligibility last, last year. So, he's he's technically got four years to play. Yeah, so you're breaking this down by X, Y, and Z receivers, right? So, he's yeah. he's sort of the – The third string X. In third string X, okay. Best estimation, but that does not – I mean, I want to be very clear. Like, these are projections and these were where we've seen guys play – the most of their snaps in the past, but um, Mocken likes to get creative. He likes to move guys around. Um, I mean, like we've got Arian Smith as a wide receiver. It wouldn't shock me at all to see him in the slot plenty. Um, 
but yeah, this is just sort of kind of our, our best projection, but up to, you know, I think really it's, it's more about just these are the guys that you're going to see on the field and maybe not so much where they're going to be. I mean, with a pickings, you're probably going to see him like outside almost every time, but these other guys will move around. All right. Who's, who's next up on our position um, group here that we're going to talk about. So we're going to go to the wide receivers. Um, and we're going to talk about Jermaine Burton, who I think will, you know, be a bona fide starter for Georgia last year. Um, if you watched the the games last season, even when Stetson was in there and the offense was sputtering a bit through the passing game, like I think I felt like we talked about on the battle hymnal all the time. You, I, and Nathan talked all the time about like Jermaine Burton was just open everywhere, seemingly like a dozen times a game. There was some play where he was open and nobody was finding him. So Monken really likes, you know, using him as a chess piece. And I'm going to go ahead and kind of, I'm going to make like probably the hottest take that I've made on, on this show in our fifth episode and say that Jermaine Burton is actually the best receiver on the team. Um, Pickens does some things better than Burton, but what I say by that is just like, I think that Burton is the most well-rounded receiver on the team. Um, he runs routes very, very well. He has an excellent catch radius. He has very strong hands. Uh, you watch some of the stuff that he does to DBs. He puts guys in the spin cycle. And I think this is the element right here that like, he has the ability to make guys miss after the catch and he's physical enough to run through tackles and his, his body type is just different than George Pickens. Like he's got a, a low center of gravity and he's really well built through, through the thighs and the core. So I think we'll see him, you know, not only on these go routes, like what we're going to see right here with JT thrown to him, but I think we're going to continue to see him get more and more action in the screen game and continue to develop. Cause I mean, he, he's only going to have played, you know, 10 college football games going into next season. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's fast. He's big. He's going to get, like you saw in the Tennessee game where he can just take the little screen and just fight for more yards or he can spread the field. Like you just, you were watching in the Mississippi state game. So, and he was, he was yeah. on the field a lot. I mean, he was obviously Monk and trusted him and so did JT and Stetson. He was there. I mean, it's just, you know, he's, he's great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, yeah. No, he is. And he's got a really good catch radius as well. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it's exciting. Next guy, guy that you can expect to, to also play right behind him is this man right here, Arian Smith. Um, he was the signing day win that I was most excited about in the 2020 class. He's raw, and while he doesn't have great route running skills yet, uh, he does have world-class speed. And I think if you put him in a matchup where he's in single coverage, he's going to probably get open. And if you get him in space – against the linebacker he's probably going to score a touchdown and that's just how fast he is um he's also i think this is my favorite stat of the offseason so far he is currently averaging 43 yards per catch in his college career we just showed you <laughs> both of his catches but, so uh, uh, so so this play right here i mean i don't know if it's if he's the 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 first read or what but he can see he's being jammed at the line he's got no nobody helping him over the top and this is just where you want him you know it's just like okay yeah he, he knows where he's got to go jt knows where he's going to be and and yet he still outruns jt's arm 
but he was open. I mean, it was just great to see. I mean, I, I was watching, I mean, that's a good secondary that they had and, you know, a lesser secondary that's probably taken to the house. Cause, yeah. but it was, it was exciting to, to see him get another chance after that South Carolina so first ball he touched was a touchdown. 100%. And I mean, I, I think that like, just, you know, just having that on tape right there is going to be such a problem for like Clemson and some of the teams that we'll face next season, just having to account that guy account for him is a massive headache. And, and like, you know, we can talk more towards the end, but it's just like when you start putting all these pieces together, the problems it creates for defensive coordinators are very real. Um, last on the wide receivers, we got our boy D Rob, the old man of the group. Um, obviously we've, you know, we haven't seen him like show that five-star potential freshman All-American type of season like he had his first year at Cal before he transferred to Georgia. But if not even his production, I think his leadership is going to be big for Georgia next year. Uh, he knows the playbook. Like, he knows where to be. He knows how to be on time. By all accounts, Kirby loves him. Uh, he's turned into a very willing and, you know, good blocker in the run game. And I think his speed is still pretty elite, man. And truthfully, like we, you know, we saw JT Daniels look for him and and start to find him a good bit uh, towards the end of last season. And nothing would, nothing, nothing, nothing would make me happier than like for him to just kind of blow up and have like a 800 yard season next year. I don't think that's going to happen, but I would love it for him. Cause he's, well, he, he he's, must know he's welcome. I mean, he's a fifth year guy um, or is he, he's, I guess he's a, either true senior or whatever, but he, he, you know, he came back because of the COVID rules. So, right. um, I mean, he, he must know he has a place on this squad. So, which is good to know you want some, you want some leadership at, um, for so many young players that we're going to be depending on. Yeah, totally. And I, I think, you know, just those guys that have been around the block a few times, can offer some perspective and I think it's important. Um, all right, let's move on to the slot. So number one receiver we got in the slot is, uh, is obviously Kyrus, um, Kyrus Jackson. And he really came on in 2021. Uh, we heard a lot about him in the buildup to the 2020 season. He started the first game against Vanderbilt and then hurt his wrist and we really didn't see him again. But uh, last year, he was kind of Stetson's favorite target really. Um, and then when Daniels came in, he also looked for him quite a bit as well, but I think in a lineup with Jackson Pickens and Burton and him lining up in the slot, you can expect him to get put in a lot of favorable situations because defenses are going to work to bracket the outside receivers with Pickens and Burton and, and put some safety to help over there and, and, you know, try and, force those guys into double coverage. So he should feast really in this offense. And he kind of took over. I mean, like he took over the Auburn game at one point last year, and he kind of took over the Tennessee game for a spell as well. He has the ability to do that. And I think he also is a really smart receiver who understands yeah. this option-based offense and knows where to sit down and knows how to find space very, very well. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, he's getting open on these routes. It's like where you go to a spot, you find the open, you know, spot in the zone or whatever. He's clearly a very intelligent wide receiver running routes, and he was there all for whoever was taking snaps. He was there for him and delivered and was just – it was a damn good dog to watch. 
Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I think the thing with, with Pickens and Burton out there, um, you know, the, the whole adage of pick your poison. I think that those two guys might get the majority of the attention. So like, I, I think we could be sitting, you know, at the end of next season and Jackson, I don't think he's a better receiver than Pickens or Burton. I think he's a very skilled and excellent receiver, but I think he might end up having, you know, more yards and catches than anyone on the team. Because... I mean, this, this play early in the Auburn game was huge. You know, the, the, yeah. off, the, the Auburn broke through, uh, Bennett rolled out and just, just, he got open and made the, I mean, just made the right break and just, it was a huge play. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you could tell like that kind of got him into the flow of the game and got him some confidence in, in this play as well. You know, this this bomb right here. I mean, Georgia was up 17 nothing already, but this was kind of the knockout punch for this game. I mean, the you know, the moment that, that Georgia scored uh, after, after this bomb was hit, like I remember everybody being on Twitter like, you know, okay, lights out, like Auburn's not getting 24 on Georgia's D, and they didn't. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that there's still a whole lot to be excited about with, with Kyrus and, uh, yeah, I don't want to sleep on him. <laughs> no, I mean, so much talent and it really, it was there. I mean, Stetson had weapons and that's how we were able to beat Auburn. And that's how we were able to compete in the Alabama game. Um, you know, I think the book got out on him by the time we played Kentucky. Uh, mm-hmm. But that just goes to show you that as we love Stetson, he was there for us to, to, to throw the ball when we didn't have anybody else. But we all know that the offense took off with the same players, but with a better arm. And so, yeah, you can't sleep on any of these guys because there's a lot of there's a lot of talent at the quarterback position and there's a lot of weapons that he's got at his disposal. Yeah, totally. Um so the the guy that I'm assuming if he's healthy would be the the second option in the slot is gonna be uh Dominic Playlock. Um nope, so I'm showing Washington play, sorry. No, you're good. Um don't have any Dominic Blaylock from twenty twenty. I mean I guess I could have uh, No, back. no, no, it's okay it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean you guys know Blaylock. Uh, you know, he was a, a breakout true freshman in twenty nineteen and his he, you know, caught caught the touchdown pass that got us rolling against Florida. He caught the touchdown pass on the long throw from Fromm that got us rolling against Auburn. Like, he played really well against Tech. He was playing very well against LSU, and then his ACL exploded. And, you know, by all accounts, he was healthy and ready to go for this season and then tore his, his other ACL. So, really, more than anything, like, I just hope that he gets healthy because what makes him good is his his quick tit, his fast twitch and agility and his route running ability. I don't know how fully back he'll be, but I think him at 85% is still a better route runner than probably most of the starting receivers in the SEC. So it might take all of 2021. It might take, you know, till 2022 before we see him return to form. But uh, again, I think he's an important presence in the locker room and in the program. And I, I just have a feeling that, you know, he, he might make a timely catch towards the, the end of the season or in an SEC championship game type situation. You just, you just never know um, with guys that talented at some point, it's going to show back up if he gets healthy. Um, yeah. 
um, I mean, I, I'd use cheering for anybody like that. You know, I mean, we saw yeah. so many, so many players have, you know, it seems like more guys can come back from those injuries than ever. Um, I mean, from Nick Chubb to, uh, you know, I mean, what shoot, Thomas Davis had more, came back from more yeah. ACL injuries in the NFL than I think anybody in the history of the NFL. Like he had three on the same knee. So right. fingers crossed that, you know, that, that, uh, what, uh what's something going on, on the computer okay let's look at uh let's look at some um darnell jack uh darnell washington plays while well, i see what's going on over here no worries um so yeah darnell moving on to the tight ends uh washington is absolutely a, a freak show athlete and i mean he's just a ridiculous specimen he's 6'8 270 pounds he has surprisingly soft hands and he is a devastating down the line blocker in the run here in his first game you see him run uh, a little bit of a seam route there make a nice catch um and then deliver a little bit of you know run through one tackle and i think you know it takes takes a couple guys to bring him down every time we see him carry the ball this was the moment that made me stand up with darnell though was against kentucky when we we saw him you know flexed out wide uh on his own like a wide receiver and just, you know, bodying dudes like he's blocking out for a rebound. Uh, give me that. So I, I think obviously he's, you know, he's going to be the first option at tight end. Um, and then we saw the Darnell show at the end of the Mizzou game, right? Uh, like that was kind of probably one of the more like fun moments of the year was, Georgia was in a comfortable spot in that game. And it was like, okay, let's see what the, you know, the, the freakish kid can do. And he has really soft hands for a guy's size. Obviously his size um, makes him kind of impossible to cover. I mean, if the ball is, is put up in a I certain spot. Hand. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, that was good like, defense and he still came down with it. Yeah. He reminds me of like Leonard Pope, but with like way better hands and, just a more fluid athlete. Um, and I mean, this is another really nice catch from him right here. I mean, like he catches the ball out away from his body and then he carries the, like three guys, five yards. But uh, I think that, you know, there's a lot to like there. Uh, second tight end is going to be John Fitzpatrick. He might be the most underrated player on Georgia's team. Uh, he had 10 catches and 95 yards last year, not, blowing up the stat sheet but you know he's a he was a four-star recruit like he was a top 300 player in the country and if you look at him run right there like he is a very you know he looks very comfortable carrying the ball in open space and you know he's gonna he'll 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 block for monken you know he'll be that Mm h-back when we're not running a fullback that will go down there and make a block for uh for pass pro or to spring a what a running back um yeah and I mean, he's, he's six, six, two forty one, And like, I think his blocking ability is obviously like, you're, you know, like you're bringing up, like that's, that's going to be his primary role in this offense. But I, I keep seeing a lot of people talk about Brock Bowers, like coming in and, you know, taking his job and, and maybe even challenging Darnell Washington. And it's like, don't sleep on Fitzpatrick. You know, I think he's a really good player and he, plays sound assignment football and you just rattled off a four-star bowers is 
a highly rated recruit was he i think he was a four star and we've got darnell who's yeah. a five star so everyone was sort of disappointed not to go get eric gilbert i mean like we're we're okay at tight end we're okay yeah. At tight end. yeah what are you gonna do with eric gilbert i mean you know i don't know we wish eric gilbert the best i hope that he finds yeah absolutely but yeah from strictly you know like who who does i mean of course i wanted him it's the shiny object in the in the store but you know it's like <laughs> yeah we're we're okay we we don't need any more we're not we don't have any holes to fill you know we 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 have some things we have to execute and, and accomplish but we don't have a lot of holes to fill certainly not at tight I, end i will say though that if if mocking comes out at some point this season in like a a three tight end set with like darnell <laughs> out wide uh maybe bowers in the spot in, I'm sorry, in the slot, and then like Fitzpatrick with his hand in the dirt on the end of the line, like that's going to be absolute pure sex on a football field, and I really hope it happens. Yeah, and Cook uh, out and deep in the backfield, and you know Milton, you know playing fullback and little little uh, thirty-two personnel. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's what I'm talking. Yeah, absolutely. Or Twenty-three, like, I guess. I, our, Two running our goal line package it. yeah our goal line package should be like you know and jalen carter is like yo where am i <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah don't, don't sleep on jalen carter coming out of the i really pack. want yeah i really want jordan davis to catch a touchdown pass shout out to jalen carter who followed me this week on twitter i appreciate you damn was, i know i know it's like you know I, he did the work i just put a play up there which was an i mean it was one of our favorite plays early in the season uh it was it was it was it was it was sweet. Yeah. Hey, before we close, I want to get your opinion on uh on a, a little bit of like an interesting uh, Twitter conversation I I got into today that a lot of people joined in on. Um, oh God, we're not talking about baseball. No, movies, no, bro. no, we're not talking about <laughs> fucking time. That was that was fun. Movies. Love you guys. Mean it. Uh, what was the loudest Georgia game you've ever attended in Sanford Stadium? Dirty little secret is I haven't seen as many games in person as a lot of the folks that I uh, have the pleasure of, of following and, and interacting with on Twitter. Um, All right. Well, then okay. what was the loudest? What was, if, if not in person, what was the loudest? Uh, like, what do you feel okay, like my, in your okay, mind? Here, all right. So here, here's my best story about that. I mean, I, you know, I was at a couple of the LSU games that were went down the wire. Once one's a couple, we won a couple, we lost. I was at the uh, Dobnell boot game, which was the loudest and the quietest. Um, but my, my favorite sweet. story I like to tell was I was actually filming a commercial in Alabama on the night of the first blackout, the Auburn blackout game. And ah. uh, that was before smartphones. I'm that old. So I was, we had, we were filming in a neighborhood. So we had like police officers there to control traffic and stuff. So that when we were filming in the street, that no one would run up and stuff like that. So I'm literally propped up on a, uh, an Alabama municipal police often poli police officers patrol car listening to the Auburn game. And I, and I was listening to the Auburn feed, of course, cause he, he was an Auburn guy and you could oh. just hear the noise. Like it was, you, it was hard to discern the Auburn play by play and color guy from the crowd noise. I mean, it was just, I mean, I remember getting goosebumps on that and you know, the, and it was early in the game, you know, that game is history. You remember that being, but it was, it was a, 
it was a big game. It was like, you know, obviously we, yeah. we won, but it's like, it wasn't, that was a little bit of an upset, you know, and it was just, you could just feel the energy coming through that radio. So to, that I was not there, but that's certainly the loudest, most juiced atmosphere I can remember uh, being a part of. And what about yours? What is your, I mean, you've, you've been to more games than me. I mean, I know everyone's talking about the Notre Dame games, but you don't, that's not your most juiced atmosphere, right? I was not at, that Notre Dame game so oh, okay. I don't I don't know but um you know I think the loudest moment I ever heard was the the 2007 blackout game when they ran out of the tunnel and it was like holy shit George is wearing black and like that was like that That's was the, the most yeah yeah that was the most fun thing ever like I was a freshman in college you know we went to the Sugar Bowl uh New Orleans, all that. Yeah, it was a great year. I had a lot of fun. Um, but, like, I do remember literally the sound got to a point where it was so loud that, like, it kind of, like, cracked. Like, when you hear, like, a, you know, an airplane, like, crack a sound barrier and, like, it just, it stopped being sound. Like, it just became, like, silent white noise for a second when they all ran wow. out. And that, was yeah, like, that gives me, like, goosebumps thinking about it and talking about it. But I think the, the game that was like the loudest snap to, to, you know, I'm sorry, start to finish was probably 2004 LSU, in my opinion, which was, you know, they had beaten us twice the year before. They were defending national champions, um, saving all those guys. And I think they were, you know, number four in the country. And, and they came in and, I mean, David Green just like played the game of his life and we beat him by – 30 points or something but i just remember that place being like pandemonium the the whole day um but yeah i i think i think the blackout is probably the right answer um but i was just curious because i i did see a lot of people kind of going for 2017 notre dame which i can't say wasn't because i wasn't there but i think there's a there may be a difference between and what people remember as the best atmosphere, you know, the, the lights and the national sure. stage and, you know, and a lot, you know, let's be honest, some of these guys that are on Twitter are so much younger than me that they may not have been around or may, cause it was a night game at Auburn. So they were probably, uh, you know, maybe home with their grandparents while their moms and dads were watching the game in person. So, oh, at any rate, well, look, this was fun. You did, yeah. Thanks for running down all these players and, breaking them down. I mean, there's a lot to be excited for. And, um, uh, and it's, I, I just want to, it's too far away. <laughs> I mean, we're still several Football weeks season. away from, from G day. And it's like, I know. Yeah. We're still about six weeks out. Um, but you know, I think there's a, there's a lot to be excited about for Georgia, uh, coming into this off season. I think G day is actually going to be as interesting as G day has been. And, in many, many years, just because I think Georgia is in a place on offense and with the defensive line where you can say they're, they're a legit, you know, those are legit national title caliber units probably. And the secondary is going to be what we're all watching on G day to see how it looks and, you know, whether those guys are covering well. I, I, you know, and, and we forget with the COVID year last year that a lot of these kids have not played in, G day, you know, not gone through spring practice. You know, we've got, I think, what, 15 or 16 true, you know, freshmen coming in that are early enrollees. 
yeah. um, and all the freshmen from last year. I don't think we have a lot of transfers, but there was, you I know, mean, there's a significant portion of the guys that haven't gone through this. I mean, not that G day is why you enroll at the university of Georgia, but still it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, I mean, that's the case for everyone in, in college football, but um, yeah, to get these guys more snaps and more reps and, you know, it's a, it's a good testament to what Georgia did last year that went through it all, you know, I mean, they, mm-hmm they fielded a great team with a lot of mi- missing parts and parts he had to plug in and young players, you know, and uh, it, it, sky's the limit, you know, Monken didn't even get his chance to meet any of these players until late in the summer, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think Kirby said recently half the team hasn't been through a spring practice before. So I, I mean, I think that's the exciting thing is there's a lot of guys that showed a lot of great potential uh, last season and, you know, they're going to take, that film from, you know, that actual game film, not just practice reps, but game film and be able to, to break that down and improve upon it. So there's a lot to be excited for. Uh, before I close this out, how many games does Georgia, does Georgia win in Nashville at the SEC basketball tournament this week? Uh, man, Mizzou's good. I think, <laughs> I, I think it's, um, is that I, who we're playing first round? I think so. I think it's the seven ten. Uh, is oh Mizzou. shit! Yeah, uh, zero. To, uh, I, I mean, so. yeah. I, it's basketball is such a mess. I mean, yeah. I'm gonna say zero. I just I think Missouri is good, and uh, Georgia is just too inconsistent, and just does not have enough pieces. Um, but who is your, who's your, uh, final four? Do you, you just, you, you got chalk or do you have a dark horse coming out? Oh, I got it. We got to wait till the brackets come out and then we'll, we'll have fun with all that. Um, no, I'm talking about the SEC. Oh, in the SEC. Um, you know what? I haven't seen an actual SEC. Here we go. Bracket. Yeah. Wait, it's I mean, Alabama and Arkansas, are the top seeds. And then, I'm so gonna... I think Alabama, I, I think Arkansas, is probably going to win the thing. Yeah. Um, I, I got a bet with Marler that Alabama doesn't make Sunday. So, Oh, interesting. Yeah. I like that. I could see, I could see actually, all right, hot take, dude. Kentucky is going to win that noon game against Mississippi state. And then they're going to upset Alabama on Friday. Yeah. In the I, I could ease That's a bad draw for Alabama, but it you know, is that's a that's a bad Kentucky team and it's not like they've got any sort of institutional knowledge on how to win in tournaments I mean they I, I how many kids do they have that have played in a postseason tournament in college probably one or two between right. one and duns and missing a tournament all the games last year but uh but no I, I like I mean it's I think you're looking at the jersey at that point and maybe not the output of what Kentucky did but that that is a bad draw yeah, so I'm going to say my final four is going to be, like, for the tournament, the teams that will make the semis are going to be Florida, Kentucky, Arkansas, and LSU. Yeah. Um, I think Alabama but, makes – I think Alabama gets in the final four, but I don't think they play on Sunday. I think they're going to get upset in the semis. If Georgia – all, all the Alabama fans will say, well, that's what you want. You don't want to get – we need the rest. <laughs> Three-point shooting team does not need the rest look at Baylor <laughs> that's true hey, I, yeah. I'm sorry I'm hating on Alabama and no, sorry, no you're Marler. good hey, there's no way that Marler is actually watching this at this point so. yeah it's freaking one o'clock in the morning but <laughs> yeah I mean I think that Georgia will uh probably lose to Mizzou but they did beat Mizzou earlier this season by like a, a pretty hefty margin so 
I don't know. That team is so Jekyll and Hyde that uh, I could see them like washing yeah, out in a thirty in a thirty point loss. I could also see them, you know, showing up, playing really well against Mizzou. Uh, I don't really see a scenario where they play like enough out of their asses to beat Arkansas, but you know, two thousand eight happened, so anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, I know you were trying to get us out of here, but the only thing I would say is like, I think we'd have been better off playing the first night. <laughs> Because I think I yeah. think this I think that I, you know it just gives a chance to beat a team and get some momentum going against an inferior opponent and stuff. I mean Georgia well, clearly has the pieces there when they play well and they execute. They, really, it's all about don't turn the ball over. But I think I think when tournament play comes down and crunch time comes, they just they just turn the ball over too much. Well, yeah, there's times where you know Tom Green's whole like freewheeling fast break style of basketball is great. Uh, but there's times where a team that's core is all freshmen and sophomores need someone to call play and tell them, you know, what to do out of a set piece. And I've just, I, it really fascinates me that Tom Crean makes $3.3 million a year and never once draws on a whiteboard during a fucking game. You know, like I, if I could find a gig like that, I would love to have it because I, I'm honestly not sure he's ever to- coaching. You're trying to bait me into this. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not really trying. I'm really not trying to bait you. I'm just. I'm just telling you how we're I feel. We're talking about playoff expansion too. Uh, my <laughs> time I did. Have, I had. I did have that argument on Twitter today as well. Oh, my my thing is. I think we need to go back to BCS standings. <sighs> that on. that no. Bring back the BCS standings. That way. Because right now it's like, oh, well, Alabama's the most talented team or Clemson's the most talented team or Ohio State's clearly talented. So it's like the playoff bids get awarded on National Signing Day. So yeah. go back to the BCS standings. No, I mean, as a numbers and guy, then, I mean, they had four computer rankings in there. The the Massey, the, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think there'd be, there just needs to be some, if you're going to keep it at four, you have to make some rules. No, keep it at four, keep it at four, but use the BCS standings to pick the four. Yeah, I mean That's the same I thing. Think. We're saying the same thing. Just make some rules, you know. It's like if if you're gonna say that conference, uh, we, let's do this another time. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll do a podcast. Let, yeah, maybe we'll do a podcast. No audio, no video. We'll do a podcast yeah. on it, and we can even just have some folks on and, and riff. Because yeah, I'll do it all day long. Shout we'll out, just to let you. Shout out to John T. Powell. Who <laughs> 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 loves it? He, he just he's, he baits me so well. It's awesome. I'll I know, it. I know. He does. All right. Um, that is Josh Ancher. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at dog underscore stats. And if you're not following him, you really should because he tweets out lots of cool charts and, uh, you know, a lot of Tom Kareen slash playoff expansion uh, <laughs> stuff. And uh, my name is Graham Coffey. Uh, we are Dog Sports Live. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you watch this live on this very late Tuesday night, we really appreciate it. Um, what are what the hell are you doing? Why are you here right now at one o'clock? You could have some West Coast folks. You never know. That's true. It's only 11, 12 p.m. where I am. So, yeah. but uh, thank you guys for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, that's all I got, man. Good dogs. Go dogs. Thanks for. All right, man. We'll see you guys soon. <laughs>